97X, the future of rock and roll, with the latest from John Spencer Blues Explosion and Bell Bottoms. Also heard some Elvis Costello without the attractions, and we started things off right with some Afghan wigs. Speaking of the wigs, they're playing a hometown show at Bogart's next Friday night. If you're caller 7, you'll get registered to win a chance to dine with the band before the show. Just call 513-863-5665. Dave, 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 sorry to interrupt the phone numbers, but we're not actually still on 97X, so there is no dinner with the Afghan wigs before their show at Bogart's. Sorry. It's just there's, a podcast. There's not? No. No, but the good news is, Dave, we do have uh, one member of the Afghan Wigs joining us. John Curley is on the line. Hi, John. Hey, guys. The first question I have for you is, the first time we met was actually at dinner with listeners before a show at Bogart's. We ate at that, um, on Vine Street, on that uh, firehouse, uh, whatever it's called, you know, the, the old fire department. Yeah. Do you remember even doing that? Nope. <laughs> I have zero recollection of that. <laughs> I would expect that answer from you because that dinner was the oddest dinner I've ever had with a really nervous listener and uh, the entire band and like four of us from the station. That's that's wild. I I have a really hard time imagining that we would ever even do something like that. But yeah, I'm sure it was weird. Yeah, it was very weird. Um, I mean, there's how, there's no way something like that's not going to be weird. That is true. What is the weirdest radio promotion that you ever did? Uh, you know, touring around with the wigs. Oh man. Well, you know, based on the fact that I don't remember that, I've I've probably forgotten most of them. I mean, that would have to be right up there, I think. Um, mm-hmm. You know, anything where you put people together that, you know, have to have an awkward conversation <laughs> and silence probably, and, you know. That just, it sounds like a skit from uh, from like a Larry David episode or something. You described it exactly. That's exactly what that evening was like. And it was about 45 minutes, and I think you guys just had drinks and left. <laughs> right. Uh, that would definitely be the strategy going into something like that. You know, I mean, we do we do meet and greets ahead of our shows with people. And, you know, we're pretty approachable. But forced stuff in, in any situation, you know, just almost always is awkward for everybody. So, you know, uh, as far as like radio station promotions go to answer your question, you know, we got asked to do a lot of stuff and and the record company was, was always trying to, um, you know, to talk us into doing things like that. And, and early on we, you know, we, we were trying to be team players and we said yes to stuff, but ultimately you wind up like playing in a parking lot, you know, in the afternoon or something. They, they, a lot of them just turned out to be, kind of a drag frankly and and we sort of shied away from them after that what you guys did at lounge acts was was a great exception to that rule though those things were always fun i don't know that the wigs ever did one but i did them in some other bands that i was in and went to see a few friends play at at those and um you know that was an exception to the rule and i know a lot of bands would, would go out of their way and come through cincinnati to do that even if they weren't playing a show here that did have some great legs to it. It did have a lot of people who were um, really into it. They had some uh, a wide 
you know, birth of, of, of different acts that played, and, and it was well done. That's, that's one of the things I missed from uh, the digital age of 97X was that. Yeah, I learned about a lot of new music from that, too. That's probably the one thing I missed the most about 97X and, and like, radio in general, the way it used to be. I grew up in D.C., and we had a station there called WHFS that um, in its payday was broadcast out of an apartment building in Bethesda, Maryland. And it was community radio. People would play whatever they wanted to. The DJs had, you know, just a wealth of experience and knowledge of music. And, um, you know, so much of of the bands I got turned on to as a kid were were from listening to that radio station. Then later, you know, through 97X, it was both of those both of those stations were the kind of things that you could just put on and you would hear 90% of what you heard would be interesting. Um, and, you know, a fair amount of that would be stuff you'd want to go and, and find out more about. John, this is Damien. Uh, how did you get from Hi, DC to the Cincinnati area? So I was um, in college at the University of Maryland uh, studying journalism, and I got an internship at the Inquirer and moved out here for that. And that eventually led to a job. A, a job after college, you're saying, at the Enquirer? Well, I, I wound up dropping out of college and taking a job at the Enquirer, yeah. So were Man. you delivering on the west side or northern Kentucky? Where, where did you deliver the Enquirer? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, all over. I went all over. <laughs> Photographer. To... Oh, okay. Um, that was my job. So I met Greg and my wife and one of my best friends and another one of my best friends who I wound up um, starting a recording studio with all in the same night. Um, I was living in a, um, an apartment on Euclid Street in um, just behind Top Cats uh, near Short Vine. And um, those guys were all hanging out at my neighbor's apartment and I had just moved to town and, and we all wound up meeting. And, uh, you know, I met Greg and he had a band called the Black Republicans and I went to go see those guys and eventually their bass player left and I took his place and that was kind of the beginning of everything. So wait, I just want to review one more time. You met Greg, you met your wife, you met your recording studio business partner and who else was there? And, and one of my best friends, um, who's my wife's best friend, but our families hang out all the time together. Yeah, it was a pretty uh, fortuitous night. I don't know. I'm not a big believer in uh, coincidence and destiny and all that stuff, but it certainly uh, seems to hold true in that case. No doubt. And was Greg a troublemaker back then? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Were you guys able to get 97X there? Did you have some sort of a wiring system up to the roof? So I was kind of a gearhead, a stereo guy. And then, you know, I think that kind of led me into recording as well. So, yeah, I had like made my own antenna from, you know, a project in a magazine or something like that. So I could get a lot of the, the stations. But Coreyville has a bunch of towers surrounding it. So even despite my best efforts, you know, it, it was... It was, you know, hit or miss on a daily basis whether you could get 97X from Oxford. 
John, if you could talk a little bit about, you know, back in that day, because I feel like Cincinnati mm-hmm. kind of had a brief moment in the sun of national exposure. But what was the importance of a station like 97X to the local music scene? Oh, it's crucial. I mean, I think like anywhere, anywhere where you have a, a healthy scene, whether it becomes one that, you know, gains national or international attention or, or one that just thrives on its own you know, in a vacuum or whatever. It needs certain things to happen. There are like certain components that, that have to be present for it to work. And, and um, one of those is a good local radio station. Another one is a record store, um, places to play, you know, a, a creative community and then a, a community that, you know, wants to go see those people play and stuff. So yeah, a radio station is, is, you know, I, I don't think you can have a, a, you know, a really a thriving scene without it. Well, fast forward to now, because I know you do recording still some, and you do some producing besides going back to school. But but what's the difference now? Like a, a young band now compared to a young Wigs or Black Republicans, what do they got to do now? Because it's so much different. Yeah, it is different. It's kind of weird when I, I talk to my friends that are, you know, uh, I, as you mentioned, I, I went back to UC a couple years ago and I met a bunch of students from CCM and stuff um, through uh, through that. Um, that's not the school that I'm in, but, you know, you, you meet people and you hang out with people and stuff, you know, still doing recording and whatnot. So, yeah, it's um, it's strange. Like back in the day, I, and, and really all I know is my own experience. So, you know, we played around town and then we got in the van and went and played other places. And that was how you did yeah. it. You, you know, you got in the van and you went places and, and you played shows. And now it seems like from talking to people that the social media component is much more important. Like you, you know, you get Spotify playlists and followers and, and you try to get added to playlists and get an Instagram following. And, and I know people who, um, you know, who work in the business and, and say that, you know, a lot of record companies and, and, you know, people that are looking to, to break new bands are looking at social media. It's also different in that most people um, have access to recording technology that was harder for us to access. You know, when you were a, a band starting out in those days, you had to save up your money and, and you know, most likely go to a recording studio on off hours where you could, you know, get a reduced rate, make your record that way. And now, you know, most people can, can do all that on a laptop, which is pretty cool because I think, you know, the, the bar has been lowered to the degree that you get a lot of people making music and a lot of cool music that, that people would have been able to make back in the day. Well, one other thing that I found, though, is back, you know, we're around the same age, Back in the day, I knew if you go to Top Cats, there's, there's a handful of places you could know, Sudsies, there's going to be a good band there. You just mm-hmm. showed up and you knew it would be a good band. Now it seems like the club owners are expecting the band to bring the crowd, and if they don't, they don't invite them back. I think that's true in some places, and I think that's, that's always been true in some places. Huh. But, you know, certainly live music that, you know, is, is band live music where people bring instruments and play them and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. There's less of a demand for that. A lot of places have gone to, to DJs and, and playlists and, 
and stuff like that. But there are a few people that make a commitment. Motor on uh, Main Street and over the Rhine in Cincinnati is a great example of a bar where they just opened the place. They made a commitment to having live music. And and what you said is true of, of Motor. You can go in there pretty night, pretty much any night of the week, and, and you're going to see something that's that's pretty good. Uh, either you know touring bands or, or local bands, um, they do a great job of of bringing in cool stuff. And there are a few other places around. I think a lot of, um, you know, with the drinking age being 21, a lot of people um, are playing at house shows now. And um, I think that's another example of how social media has changed things because you can put something on your Snapchat or Instagram and have a house show, you know, plan it the day of or the day before and, and you know, get a bunch of people to, to show up and see a few bands. That is the new DIY of doing it. I think you're right on that. Yeah. And those are cool. Like I said, you know, I've met a few people hanging out up at UC and and have gone to a few of those and it's really exciting. It reminds me of like, you know, what, what I think of when I think of like a a rock and roll band playing in a basement or playing in a a small club or something like that. It feels a lot like how I remember it. It's a cool way to to see new bands that you're not going to see in bars or maybe not hear of in any other way. And then I was just going to ask, John, if you feel like that sense of community is still as strong when it's like social media, there's 27 million, you know, Instagram accounts. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it's sort of like you have your broad community of people that, that follow you, but then you have your, your kind of local community of people that can actually come see you, you know, at a house show or at a local club or something like that. So in that way, I think it, it mirrors the real world. You know, you have your close friends and then your wider circle of acquaintances and then your friends of friends and dudes that you heard of from a story or something. Let, let's catch up with you now. I know that you still have one foot in, in, in music, but you have one foot, you kind of mentioned UC. What, what are you doing both musically and in school right now? Well, musically, um, I had run a studio um, for a number of years in Camp Washington in the old QCA studio space. And unfortunately, um, that building was sold a couple years ago and the new owner opted not to have studio in there anymore. So when that happened, I decided to go back to school. Um, and, uh, like I mentioned earlier, you know, I had dropped out to start working. Um, I was in school for journalism. I got a job in the, the journalism field and I was like, well, I don't really need to finish school now. And, uh, and that was cool for a while, but I mean, I, I love learning. I'm interested in lots of different things. And I think I had always been looking for an opportunity to go back and, and kind of finish that. I'm still doing recording. Um, I have a, a small studio space, um, near my house and over the Rhine where I could do little project things and mixing. And then I moved most of my gear to a place called the lodge in Dayton, Kentucky, which is an amazing it's a studio, but, you know, we also have like, uh, event spaces and, and, you know, we do printing and t-shirts and, uh, it's really kind of like a, almost like an artist colony down there. There's a lot of people doing a lot of different things. Um, so it's an exciting place to hang out and and to be part of. And, uh, and we do shows down there and stuff too. So that's, that's where I do, you know, my big sessions when I do them, but I haven't been doing that much. Um, lately. Uh, I decided to go back to school and study. I didn't want to study things that I had already done professionally. So 
I wasn't going to go to CCM and try to do music or uh, or do journalism. So uh, I don't know. I've gotten really interested in, in biology and chemistry and stuff like that since I've been going to UC. I'm a liberal arts major, which is cool because it gives me the, the freedom to kind of just pursue whatever looks interesting. But I like the I like science. I like history. You know, if I went back to school, I would be doing what you're doing. It's fun. I mean, it's 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 awesome. It, it gives me something to do and something to focus on. And um, and uh, it's it's cool to be in that environment. It's it's similar in a lot of ways to, to music and being on tour and stuff and, and being in a creative community. But it's it's also different. It's um, it's intimidating and exciting to be around really smart young people. I'm going to bring up one other thing, though, about the Lodge. I've been there a couple times, and you're right. Uh, it, that is a, an unbelievable space to see a show, and it is like an artist colony uh, for music and art, and, and done a fantastic job with it. I really like it there, and the sound is incredible for a show. Yeah, it's an awesome place to see a show. It's kind of a combination uh, concert hall and, and recording studio, so you know, it's got a big stage and a PA, and then that's kind of on the second floor in the in the Masonic Hall. And I learned this, um, you know, when I started hanging out down there. But when they would build a Masonic Hall, they would build it without windows for whatever reason. So it, it makes a perfect environment for recording and, and performing. You know, you're not getting a lot of noise from outside or bothering the neighbors. Um, and then the control room is on the third floor, and it kind of looks down into the big uh, hall area. And if you've ever seen pictures of Abbey Road, they had their control room um, on the level above the studio. And you look down into the studio. So I always thought that was kind of cool. But it's a great studio. And we have, you know, a, a full mixing console, which is something that most places don't have these days. We have, um, we can do multi-track tape sessions. Um, and we can also do, you know, full digital logic as well. So it's a very versatile space for all kinds of things. This is fascinating. So you're a photographer turned rock and roll musician turned chemistry, biology, liberal arts guy, and recording engineer. I mean, you've you've packed a lot into your lifetime, John. I guess, yeah. I mean, not really, you know, with any plan, so to speak, either. I just kind of followed the things that that interested me, and you know, yeah. I've been lucky, for sure. Speaking of lucky, we're going to be giving away sometime in the future. I don't know how I came upon this, but I have a WOXY.com shirt formerly owned by you. Okay. <laughs> All right. And, and we're going to give it away sometime on this podcast. We've got to figure out why. If, if you come up with an idea how we should give it away, let me know. What was that? I, I, want, to know how, I want to know how you're going to prove it was mine. Uh, there's DNA testing now. You should know this stuff. You're in college. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I guess you had uh, cleaned out your closet a while ago to some of the, the people who would uh, use your studio, and they, they donated to me because they knew I worked at, at 97X. Yeah, that sounds about right. We moved, um, I don't know, a year and a half ago, and, um, yeah, I just I got rid of a lot of my old T-shirts and, and stuff like that. So. I got rid of so much stuff, and I was, and it was amazing how much stuff I still had. It was eye-opening and a little bit disappointing. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, we have a, a rule that after two Bela Lugosi's dead, we're, 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 you know, the length of two of those Bauhaus songs were done. So uh, just want to take the time to, to thank you for uh, sitting in with us on the podcast. I'm, I'm glad that, sure. you know, you listened to 97X. It was, you know, Chuck Cleaver listened to us as well, too, and, and, and some other ones. So it, it was nice that we had a, a strong community music-wise back in the day. Yeah, it was it was great. A lot of fond memories and, um, you know, a lot of, of music that, yeah, that I, I heard for the first time. It's harder now, you know, to, I mean, you, there, you can find out about new stuff on playlists and things like that, but I, I don't know. It was, I, I was never really one of those people that, that sought it out on my own. I always like had a few friends that, that would turn me on to new stuff and and I found out about new music mostly that way, like through my friends and through radio like WOXY. So I miss it. Yeah, I think we all do. I definitely. It's hard for me to find new music that I like. It's too much work to find it now. Yeah, you know, on one hand, it's there's a lot more stuff and it's made the, you know, the like I said, the bar has been lowered and, and the, the price of admission is, you know, is almost free compared to what it was, you know, back when you had to pay for studio time, but there's also a lot more stuff to wade through. So it's, it's kind of a mixed blessing. Well, well, again, I appreciate the time. Uh, enjoy the day. Uh, do you work in an aviary? Because I heard a lot of birds in the background. <laughs> no, I'm sitting, I'm sitting on the porch. It's really nice. So I decided to sit outside today. Yeah. I, I mean, I might do that for our next interview. So, but, but thanks again. And thanks for all the stuff you've done for this fine box. It's really much appreciated. Oh, my pleasure. Believe me. And thanks for having me on. This was fun. Hey. Thanks, John. See you, John. Bye, guys. 97X. The future of rock and roll. What we're doing now is, is we've been, Damien and I have been doing this for about a year and a half now, a podcast about the station since we both worked there. And we got like 49 listeners, so it's going to be huge. It's going to be life-changing. Well, I... Yeah. After this, you're probably going to go up to like maybe 52, maybe even 53. 